You're going to have to be able to ask and say the things that other people won't say. Yeah. And that's really the journey. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of reps. This is Designing Leaders, the podcast where simplicity meets leadership. I'm your coach, Desi Maynard, your guide on this journey towards effective and efficient leadership. Here we unite theory and practice, bringing you actionable insights from the front lines of leadership. From boardrooms to sales floors, we're breaking down silos and fostering teamwork. Every episode is a new step towards absolute accountability and clear communication. I'm your host, Desi Maynard, and let's dig in. We ask for advice when we already know the answer but wish we didn't. Ladies and gentlemen, I have my partner, Jeremy Klein, on with me today, and we're gonna do something a little different, not as much hardcore practical teaching and a little more of sharing some successes, some failures, and a little bit of our journey. Are you ready for this? Talking origin stories? Yeah, a little right. bit. Let's see, let's see what they can't gain from uh, some of the things that we've screwed up. Let's go. Uh, I got plenty of them. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, in Jeremy's defense, I threw him a curveball on this because I wanted it to be transparent. But let's kick right off, Jeremy. Uh, talk about like, how did you get started in sales and leadership? Well, I've always been fascinated with people. Um, growing up uh, for a good part of my youth, uh, single mom, older brother, I think I had moved 10 to 12 times before I was really a teenager. Mm -hmm. So having to jump into new situations out of necessity really forced that I got to figure out where I fit in and where I stand out. Yeah. Also, I got to see a lot of different types of people. And so that to me was one of the starts of the journey because People are fascinating, right? Mm-hmm. I think on our last cast, we took a, a primer into DISC, yeah. which is one of our foundations. Mm-hmm. And that's what really set me on that course was, man, I've moved a lot. Um, you know, what I don't want you to know about me is growing up, uh, because of that, approval was a really big deal, mm. right? If there was a thousand people in the room and 999 didn't like me, I'm yeah. spending all of my time with the one. Yeah. And so breaking out of that, really getting to know me and why I'm fascinated with people, why mm-hmm. this is something that I really wanted to, to go through. Because, I mean, I, as a kid, you just kind of stumble through things. Yeah. Okay. You know, I was in sports for many years, mm-hmm. played baseball, wrestled, um, played tennis, and learned a good number of fundamentals from leadership from yeah. great coaches. But at that point, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, try my luck here, Mm -hmm. learn some trades. And ultimately it was business and sales that, that really uh, cranked the engine. You just perched your interest. It really did. All right. Because it's challenging. Yeah. Right. It's, I look at a lot of this when we um, organizationalize this, Mm -hmm. when we try to put something into motion and in, in structure, a lot of it was just, I'm good with people. I like people yeah, and getting others to either buy something or do something fascinated me on the end of more of persuasion than manipulation. Yeah. Breaking the stigma. Like Mm -hmm. we often talk about with sales as the, the sleazy used car salesman that only cares about money, only cares about himself. 
And I really likened it and looked at it as how, how do I be a good guide? Mm-hmm. We're yeah. forced to make decisions. I don't want to spend this money here, but this is something I really want or maybe need. Yeah. And really trying to get out of the adversarial mm-hmm. mode of I'm across the table and we're just battling through objections and rebuttals. Yeah. To how do I be on the same side and partner and guide mm-hmm. to get you there? And so, man, I think we've covered the gamut. Uh, and even the last podcast we talked, I mean, it was door-to-door sales, retail sales, insurance and investment sales, car yeah. sales, construction, online sales. I mean, it, pretty much all of the facets of getting into sales. And then from there, it looked, I really started to get an understanding of business. Mm-hmm. How does business work? How is it structured with different departments and yeah. different things? And how do you grow and how do you scale? Yep. And even prior to that, it was, okay, now that I'm a salesperson and have gained some success here, management, really working with others, mm-hmm. how do I, and that's a different, different new, animal altogether. New skill. Yeah. So let me break this down just for a minute. Cause there's a couple of pieces there I want to ask you about. So how do you, how do you think, or like what role did you moving so much play in like how good you became at like making friends and sparking conversation and then, I mean, eventually persuading and selling? Yeah. Good question. I think on one end it forced me to be pliable. Okay. Yeah. It, it forced me to be adaptable. Um, the dark side to that was I didn't feel anything was ever permanent. Mm, yeah. So take it as you will, easy come, easy go. And so it forced me to really learn commitment. Yeah. To learn, you know, grit and really stay power. Because that wasn't natural. No, because, you know, I'm going to make friends quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get involved in a sport and a school. And then a year or two later, I might never see you again. Right. Um. So that the good thing, though, was in business and projects and anything that we ever have done, even yeah. you and I together, Desi, is things aren't always as we predict, as they seem. And if we're going from point A to point Z, we know now that at D, E, or F, we're going to fall on our face. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. We're going to make some mistakes and it's not permanent. Mm-hmm. It's not fatal. Yeah. We have to be pliable and say, and almost joke, man, that didn't work. Now what can we do to shift? Uh And so that, I think that played a really big key. And it also helped me to say yes to a lot of things early. Okay. Like what? Uh, Well, just different jobs, different career paths, different business opportunities. Just trying things. Just going to try it. Yeah. Because you know what? It's not permanent. Right. It could fail. It could succeed. But what do we do? And so I think that played a huge, a huge role in that. It's kind of a double edged sword there. It really is. It's like you had the confidence or you just didn't have the fear, really one or the other to be like, I'm going to go try this thing because not much has been permanent in my life and I've always figured it out. Right. Right. And it's like, that's that's a pretty good mindset, actually, to go into a sales meeting. Yeah. To be like, I'll figure I'm going to figure this out. I'm confident enough to just. Let's do it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So that, that's pretty interesting there too. And, and obviously that played a role in your personality, 
right? Because of how you, how you were raised and how you moved around a lot, that kind of played into your ID personality mm-hmm. uh, as well. Walk us through, like, what was your first sale? Like, like your opportunity and like how bad was it or how good was it maybe? Uh, well, there's a few. Um, the first few sales jobs were more retail. Mm-hmm. And I mean, those are just, you're clerking, you're an order taker. Yeah. You know, if you're personable, people are coming in and shopping and they just get to see yeah. what widget you're selling. So what about like the first service that you sold? See, that one was a little bit tougher. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I think even prior to in-home sales for like insurance or mm-hmm. investments, um, I did some uh, in-home construction sales. Yeah. And for uh, those that are listening that know, I mean, we covered a handful of counties, completely commission-based, and it was good if you sold, and if you didn't, (laughs) it was costly, (laughs) right? And uh, just getting started in that, uh, Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb counties, I think I went, it was something like Owen 16. Oh, wow. Okay. Like this is like an old school lions season, <laughs> right? And it really got me questioning, man, do I just chalk it up and go work in a shop? Right. Do I find a trip? This is like, I mean, I can't close a window, let alone a sale right. through this. And, you know, swallowing my pride, yeah. looking at mentors, doing stuff. that something I wanted to do. Yeah. I just, at that point, whether it was the yips or I just didn't have it. For sure. Right. And we often talk about that, Desi, with even a lot of our clients with leaderships, uh, with leadership traits in general. Yeah. Is it born or is it learned? That sort of thing. And, you know, innately, everything we do hinges on communication and often hinges around people. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I know, I know I can communicate and I like people. For sure. What's missing? And come to find out, not unlike a lot of things, it's just tiny little shifts. Yeah. There were, I actually recorded myself in my pitch, my presentation, walked through a couple of my mentors and said, hey. Great practical tool there. Like, I got to be on the outside looking in. Yeah. What sucks? Yeah. Because if all you see is your face right here, you can't see the trees through the forest. Right. Right. And so that helped me. Okay. It was, okay, you didn't ask this question here. Right. You know, here it was a little bit too product fault. You lost the crowd. Yeah. Re- read the room. Yeah. And so a couple little tweaks made that night and day different. Yeah. Too much pitching, not enough pitching. Not, I didn't ask any questions. Correct. I spoke for 90% of the time yeah. versus the prospect. Okay. So we go from that uh-huh. to where you are now, right? Which is, you know, sales, high level sales director for a large company, mm-hmm. right? Doing lots of different things. Obviously, you know, you're working with all of our clients with sales and with leadership. Yeah. Walk me through, like, how did you get from Owen 16 to sales director of a big company and now a leadership and sales consultant? Yeah, really, it, it came through reps um, and, and skill development. I mean, you can do the law of averages, safety and numbers, mm, yeah. stuff that we hear all the time with sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to help. But what really supercharges that is also really caring about your craft. If I'm going to take the time and I'm going to learn and absorb yeah, and I'm going to iterate, I'm going to try new things because a lot of times 
when you're dealing with people, um, when you're dealing with new things, it's uncomfortable. Oh yeah. You're going to have to stretch yourself out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to allow awkward in the room. (laughs) For sure. You're going to have to be able to ask and say the things that other people won't say. Yeah. And that's really the journey. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of reps with clients, with potential clients, yeah, um, with groups. I know for me, it was like, in, I mean, I used to do it in front of my dog. Yeah. Like practice public speaking, practice asking right. questions, tonality, all the different things. Like my dog was, he, he must have been incredible scholar by the time yeah. I was done with them. I know that for sure. <laughs> he would have bought. Yeah. Right. Um, you, you said something key there. You, you said really caring about your craft. What is it that made you care so much about your craft? Because I wasn't getting the results, but also I care about people. Mm-hmm. And so if I truly believed in something that I was selling and we did uncover that there was a need or that the problem that yeah. the prospect had this problem. Like a legit. And I still couldn't get it across the, yeah. the one yard line. It, it, oftentimes we make excuses. Mm-hmm. Many times people are going to blame the leads. Yeah. They're going to blame the prospect. No doubt. They're going to say it was an objection I couldn't overcome or we didn't have rapport. But at the end of the day, and we teach with all of our clients absolute accountability, Yeah, I had to take that good long, hard look in the mirror and just say, you suck. Yeah. Like, how can I get this across to where they'll want to purchase or they'll want to move forward with the service? Mm -hmm. Not so it can fill my coffers. Right. Because money, like for us, even in business, that is such a secondary, it's not even a motivation. It's a benefit just to show value. But really it was, there's a need here. And I believe that this can solve that need. I got to learn how to do this. So what was that like? Like that drive came from somewhere. Like where did that drive come from? Because a lot of people would be like, I'm out. This is too hard. Like where did that drive come from? It's like, I'm going to figure this out. I just went 0 and 16. Many would just stop, right? And go, maybe it's not for me, right? Yeah, that's a great question. A part of it, I think, is others have done it. Okay, yeah. So I've always had the why not me if Mm -hmm. this guy can do it. If this gal can do it, yeah. it can be done. Yeah. And then part of it is the chip on my shoulder, I think, of just proving people wrong. Right. Okay. I mean, I grew up um, uh, up until my mom remarried, like pretty dirt poor. Yeah. Living in Flint, having to survive, having. Mm-hmm. And that's where adaptation comes in. Yeah. Right. I'm going to we're going to adapt until we can figure this out. But it was like, you know. Public school, you know, tough upbringing. I should be a statistic. I've had okay. people say, you're not going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Fill in the blank. So me, that's challenge accepted. Okay. Let's, let's show them wrong. Yeah. And like I said, part of it also is just if others can, then yeah. why not me? And it's just I had that tenacity and that grit. And if it, I, I like puzzles. Yeah. So if I sure. don't have something figured out, I really want to dig in and really see. Yeah. And objectively and not point blame at you and point blame at others. Right. Like what, what don't I understand yet? What questions am I not asking? What makes you so fascinated with the puzzle? Cause I'm very similar. So I'm curious to hear yours. 
Well, I think like with most things, there's patterns. Yeah. So it's not necessarily just getting the right answer or solving the puzzle. It's understanding the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can pattern, I pattern recognition? Can I recognize the pattern that's here? Tony Robbins talks about recognizing, adapting, and then creating patterns. Yeah. So when I look at numbers, yep. with my personality, it's not super detail focused mm-hmm. as an ID on the disc. However, um, I've forced myself to be able to look at, to gather, and pull data, mm-hmm. but can quickly and easily see the story that these numbers tell. Yeah. When you and I are looking at a PL sheet, when we're looking at um, sales numbers for companies, when we're looking at goal forecasts, yeah. quickly I want to see what is that pattern. Yeah. And so that's what fascinates me ultimately with puzzles is with them, you're going to find the algorithm, you're going to find the key. Right. And uh, when you're able to unlock that, it's a pretty sweet thing. Well, I know you've told me this before. When you, when you see that storyline, mm-hmm. you know, with those numbers and those patterns, you know, I think one of the things that you're really good at and that you teach our clients with is you use that to help people, which is at your core what you really care about. Yeah. Right? So it's like I've, I have this massive Google sheet with 19 tabs. And I mean, guys, it's crazy some of the stuff that this dude looks at. Right. right. And you use all that to tell a story to help people as your end result. But you figured out how to do that, like just by understanding yourself, knowing your own motivations, knowing your core why of how to use numbers to tell a story to help people. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like, that's like A plus B equals L, you know, (laughs) but when you enter the human element and Mm -hmm. your journey and your story to that, it makes it A plus B equals C, but that's that piece digging into that further. I know for me, when, um, cause I was a football guy, right? So, and I was a center and that puzzle fascination for me started there. It started in sports and just Mm -hmm. understanding like why is it that certain teams win and certain teams lose? What's the pattern there? And like, for, like I said, I played on offense. So like you would see a blitz coming and they got to fill their gaps and then you'd see the safety roll down and then the back would walk up or they would mask it to the last second. And to be able to solve that and then go, we picked it up. Mm -hmm. Right. And we scored a touchdown, like puzzle solved. Yeah. Right there. And then just like figuring like, what is it that it takes to solve those puzzles? Like the human aspect of recognizing the pattern, reading other people, communicating with other people, working as a team. Somebody's got to be the leader in that, all of those things to help me solve those puzzles. And then as a coach, a sports coach, Mm -hmm. literally, it's even more fun, honestly, than playing because you get to create those puzzles for the other team and see, hope they can't solve them essentially. And then you get to teach your team how to solve those problems. And I just became incredibly fascinated with that. And then I kind of, that kind of carried over when we really started working with a bunch of different industries. I mean, like over 30 industries now Mm -hmm. I've had throughout that journey, I've actually became incredibly fascinated with the puzzles within each industry. Yeah. And I view it the exact same way. Like when I walk in, right. The recent one was auto body shop. Right. And I'm like, okay, this team's over here in this department, this team's here. They're having this, you know, kind of obstacle. They've got this opportunity. How are they talking to each other? The front desk. And then the whole thing, it's just like another blitz. It's Mm -hmm. another team that's, you know, the puzzle is a little bit mixed up and you're like, how can we move this? How can we change that communication here? Leadership there. Oh, look, a clear picture. 
we got it. We picked up the blitz. We scored a touchdown. So for me like that, and it's, it's something that was incredibly unexpected for me. Like I didn't think that I would kind of fall in love with learning how different teams operate and how different industries operate. It's kind of, it's kind of like, I just like know so many different things about so many different yeah. industries and it's just like, Oh yeah, that's the, that's the doula Heimer and the, whatchamacallit. And then the body shop, you got to do it. And they're like, how do you know that? And I'm like, we worked with a, a company three years ago that did this or whatever. And I just happened to remember it, but I mean, it's all pattern recognition, mm -hmm. you know, and people say all the time, you know, talking when I relate sports to business, to me, that's the puzzle and how that works. Yeah. You know, but talk to us because eventually in sales, which we often talk about, you get really good at sales, mm -hmm. but you got really good at sales. And then usually what happens then is you become a, sales leader right because right. that's just the natural progression in business not that it's right uh, or wrong but that's what happened so like what was your first kind of transition from selling to leading a sales team and then i mean that's a whole different skill so talk to those talk to us a little bit about that transition there yeah that's um it was a, a tough transition initially because i had to face the facts that over 70 percent of people that are experts in their field yeah. that then go to manage yeah. fail. Oh. Yeah. And often it's due because your goals are different. Uh -huh. Like becoming a sales leader, becoming a, a manager, director, business leader, you're no longer responsible for your results. You're responsible for the people who are now responsible for, for the results. results yeah. um, the easy part of that was, again, I love people. And I, I, I looked at it as, well, instead of me giving 100% to my short-term goals or even yeah. long-term goals in sales, what if I gave 10% of me to this person and 10% mm. to this person and really put a focus on, it's a longer sales cycle yeah. because the reward is seeing them grow mm -hmm. in, you know, as the water rises, all ships rise type of deal. Um, but it, it's definitely, it was a unique skill that you also had to pick up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've, you know, previous lives done ministry and have, have really uh, worked on leadership in other aspects. But in this trade now, how do I get people? How do I find the right ingredients and get the right recipe yeah. to now scale this to 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 reps? Yeah. And see if it works. And uh, uh, it's been great, man. I love that that's been much more fulfilling to me than mm -hmm. breaking a sales record. Yeah. Um, and that's really what appealed years ago when you and I jumped, you know, on board here with Mainer leadership is, is just that like the focus on people. There's a lot of companies out there that put a heavy focus strictly on their curriculum. Yeah. Know, we've talked about that with um, other people in the industry that, man, in some ways they got a lot of great, great stuff, but finding the puzzle uniquely with the customer or with the prospect that we're working with yeah, and then seeing the reward of them rise, that that's what really made that much more impactful than man, you, you sold the most this year or yeah. whatever it is. So why do you think, why is that so important to you? Which part? Like seeing, uh, having the impact to see another group of people do well and be successful. Um, Part of it is selfish, 
that I played a role yeah. in that success. For sure. And that's normal. But also I, I realize they're doing the work. Yeah. Whether I'm holding them accountable, measuring, monitoring, teaching, equipping, training, mm -hmm. they're doing and putting in the effort. And if they do, seeing that success and me seeing a very small part of that. Yeah. The main part of it, honestly, is I believe every single person made in the image of God has greatness inside of them. Yeah. And oftentimes we walk around like zombies, have no clue mm -hmm. of that hidden, excuse me, potential that's in there. Yeah. Right. And so um, even if it's a small part that I do, I feel really my focus is drawing that hidden potential out of somebody, showing them that it's there and then seeing what they do with it. Yeah. That word potential, it really hits for me too. It played a big role uh, in kind of my journey, especially as like a young athlete and a young student athlete going into college and then, you know, into the teaching piece, mm -hmm. a lot of oftentimes, like it, it wasn't about how good you did, especially like with my dad, it was about, did you, have you reached your full potential? Mm. And is that as good as you can do? Right. Which is always brutal as like a teenager. You know, I mean, even you go like shovel the snow on the driveway and then it was like, is that as good as you can do? Like, probably not. I'll be back. Yeah. Is that, and he probably didn't even look at it. Right. Right. Until I was like the fifth time. I'm like, yeah, that's as that's good as best. I can do. Right. And it's like, now you've reached your potential. Yeah. And that was always the thing. And, and just kind of reeling back, I think that he, they must have used those words a lot. Like the word potential, mm -hmm. he, that must have been used a lot as a when I was a kid in those formative years because it like it really rings a bell with me because it's like if I get a feeling that I haven't or I'm not trying to, then it's like that's my chip. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, it'll be like, oh, I'm I'm like short here. Like I have a feeling of I'm falling short or I'm not putting the effort right. in. And I'm like immediate chip on my shoulder, right? So I, and I think it, it just must have been from them using that word and harping on you need to mm. be pushing to reach your potential yeah. right? because you were built for something big, right? You were built for something important and you know, the words don't be lazy were used a whole bunch too. <laughs> in addition right? to potential. I mean, my dad was a, uh, you know, a, a hardcore blue car guy that worked in the shop. Um, and so that became, you know, that just that work ethic sure. that carried over uh, into sports, into business, into, you know, how I, you know, I'm a father and a husband and mm -hmm. all those things. Um, that's another piece too. Along this journey, you have four kids. I do. And you talk about leadership, right? So how many, how many boys and girls do you have? Two and two. Two and two. Yeah. So, and I've got just two daughters. Yeah. You talk about the ultimate form of leadership. Yeah. And let's, what, are, what's your, what are the age ranges? 18 down to 10. 18 to 10, a little bit of a spread there. Mm -hmm. So talk to us like within that realm, what are some things that you've learned about leadership? Yeah. That, you know, school of hard knocks for sure. And every day, every parent would definitely say that, but what are some things you've learned in that realm that you've been able to transition to kind of help you with your teams and your life? Yeah. Well, I mean, we hear terms like leadership and legacy and yeah, None of that is more true when you're looking at building and raising a family, right? No doubt. Um, it's one of those things, man, where you strive to do your best, 
<laughs> I think in raising kids, they raised me just as much. I know, right? <laughs> They're right? teaching me. I mean, I'm in the hospital for the first time with my daughter, Sylvia. She's 18 now. And I'm thinking, they don't know me. They're letting me leave with this baby? Like, is this legal? Like, <laughs> are they going to give me a manual? Right. Like, how? You can't trust me with this thing. Or they showed me how to swaddle, like, once. Yeah. And I was like, here you go. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But, you know, there's a, a, a gazillion cliches and phrases that you hear. The one that sticks out really most to me is things are caught, not taught. Mm, yeah. Right? Like yeah. if they, they're going to see and model and emulate what you do yeah, and not what you say. And that's for the better and for the worse. And I've lived on both, both of those ends, yeah. but really seeing them helping shape and mold them, but not to live vicariously through them. That's a tough one. Yeah. Right, that's a tough, I mean, you see that today. I mean, as a sports coach and a sports guy like that was one of the biggest, oh, like, yeah. still to this day. I mean, you used to call it like puff chest syndrome, yeah, uh, like literally like fake confidence because their dad, their dad or their mom's trying to live vicariously through them, or they're putting them through all kinds of crap. And you ask the kid a couple of questions and they don't even want to be doing. Like, I don't even doing. like this. Like we're gonna win a championship. And yeah. It's like why? Because your dad didn't in high school, you know. And that's a, that. That's a big thing is to be able to be objective. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do it, do it with effort. I don't care if you win. I don't care if you lose. But if you don't really give it your all, and this is with sports with my kids, they're not super competitive like I was. Yeah. So that was hard. Mm-hmm. I'm like, we are here to win. Winning's fun. That's what I used to tell my mom. And they're like, starting out, like, I wonder what coach brought for snacks. Oh, yeah. That's how it started with my kids <laughs> in T-ball. Wait a minute. But then it was, hey, listen, uh, if you're going to do this, yeah, you need to give it your all. Uh-huh. I need to see your hustle and, and it got to where it evolved to where that's what I would praise them or critique them on. Not yeah. that they scored a goal, but man, they went after it. Yeah. They hustled. Yep. Um, and then a lot of it, man is trust. Like I have to trust that the things that I'm teaching them, the things that God's teaching them, mm. um, they're going to, they're going to do all right. Yeah. I want them to be raised with standards and beliefs but I need them to search that out and not just latch on to dad's beliefs. Right. I mean, there's, I mean, there's so much good there. I mean, just to unpack that to me, like what I heard you say is you essentially taught them how to love the game. Right. And like fill in the blank on what the game is, Mm -hmm. right? Sports, but that quickly transitions into life, into leadership, into becoming a mom into becoming a dad. And like, to me, like, those are the things that I'm more interested in teaching them. And I'm just using sports as a vehicle to do so. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, same thing we go back to you, like, I love people and I want to help them win. I mean, that's not, that's just passion. Like, that's what that is. And like, yeah. that's where that started to get built. And I think that's why sports plays such a huge role. It really does. In those things. I mean, our best clients, like they're athletes. Or they were athletes mm-hmm. and they still have that mindset of they have a love for the game, right? Just like, I mean, I had a love for the game, basketball, football, baseball, powerlifting, strength and conditioning. And then all of that kind of transitioned into, oh, I just really like staying in shape now. And now my new game is entrepreneurship right. and leadership. And my new game is solving the puzzle for other teams, right? And other businesses. So I think that piece there, just really good passion and learning how to love the game. Whatever your game is, mm-hmm. like you loved something and you were super 
super passionate about something at some point, like everyone was. And I think sometimes in order to have the second thing what you were talking about, which is basically keep pushing perseverance, you have to tap back into that. Yeah. And sometimes like, cause I mean, if it's the fourth quarter and you're down by seven points, like you're not having a super fun time. No. And like how many times in life are we in the fourth quarter and down seven points? Like a lot, right? Like yeah. you get, by the time you get to E, you go, we're going to fall on our face. And I think that's where that perseverance comes in of like, nope, the season is six weeks. So we're not done after two games. Like you started something, we're finishing it, you know, and teaching those things. Yeah. And then the other thing you said, which I think is super uh, powerful about leadership is, is trust. Yeah. The way that we kind of raise them, the way that we teach them, the way that they see us operate. I mean, even to the point of like, my dad very rarely said sorry because he didn't think the word meant anything mm. without changing your behavior, your actions with it. So it's like, I'm so sorry. It's like, that means nothing to me. Show me right. that you're sorry. No. How do I do that? I'm seven, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but he was instilling those, but all those things started to build trust mm -hmm. and you had to earn that trust. And I mean, same thing with any team, you have to earn the trust. And so that's like easily transitionable. Talk about your best sports teams. If they don't trust each other, right. they're going to lose, yeah. <laughs> right? The blitz is going to happen. The linebacker is going to kill the quarterback and they're going to have to go under the knife and get surgery on their shoulder. Yep. Right. Not that that happened to me ever. Okay. Once in U of M stadium in front of 110,000 people on national television, but we'll keep that quiet just between us. Okay. We'll edit that out. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> that's a good learn though. But I, I mean the, the combination of those two things, Yeah. like that's what builds the kind of, Builds the beast in us, builds the, you know, builds the drive, the why, the the passion, the person. I mean, all of that. I mean, what Angela Duckworth, I think, calls that grit. grit. Mm -hmm. Passion and perseverance combined equals grit, uh, which is just so incredibly good. Um, tell us about, like, within your sales career, within your leadership career. Like, what do you, what would you say is your biggest success and, like, why? Mm. Well, I would say one of them is seeing the fruit of the labor that, depending on what industry we're working in, mm -hmm. a client, a job, um, seeing something broken that we were able to show them perspective, yeah, put in the work, give them a structure, and see something completely turn around. Yeah. Um, with sales, uh, you know, I've had sales reps that had started off and they've n made no more than 30 or 40 grand a year yeah. making, you know, well into six figures. Again, they put in the work, but they understood, hey, here's the framework. Here's yeah. some structure, right? You mm -hmm. walk them through time management metrics, sales methodology. Um, it's not unlike even what we do with clients when we are able to step back and get a better perspective, right? You care about your client. Yeah. Um, and you're able to see the trees through the forest. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care that this is the curriculum. What do you, what's your problem? What's your why? And yeah. with sales, I think the biggest thing that I've learned personally is it has way more to do with listening yeah. than it does with talking. Yeah. Like if you're, 
if your prospect feels heard and understood, right, that's different than 90% of salespeople out there trying to pitch and peddle just yeah. a product. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that was a pretty big, pretty big achievement. Seeing you someone know? go from 30 to a hundred. That, awesome. That's so cool, man. Yeah. It's like scoreboard. We win. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your, let's go on the other way. What, what would you say is one of your biggest failures? Well, the 0-16 hurt pretty bad. That was bad. That's bad, that right? Was, that was one of the big ones. Um, I've had a number of those to where, you know, whether it was somebody didn't buy or a plan or a project that we worked on yeah. just completely failed. Uh, that, again, I, I look at that often as an opportunity to grow. <laughs> not, not the beginning, when that first happens, it's like, I want to jump off a cliff. <laughs> no doubt, I right? I thought this was the way to go, and I just, it I'm dumb. I can't figure be. this out. Yeah. And more than anything, it's a true lesson in self-awareness. Yeah. Like, man, you know what? I'm really not good here. Yeah. I really need to drive and focus. And um, time management, which is so ironic, is something that you and I teach now. Mm-hmm. Um, was one of my biggest issues. Yeah. I mean, I was the, if they had an award for procrastination, gold medal. <laughs> You'd win the Olympics, right? right? <laughs> uh, putting things off, not really focusing. And also uh, with my personality, it's more gluttonous in the sense that I can take on more. Yeah. It's harder for me to say no. So that taught me if it's not, you know, somebody said, if it's not hell yes, then it's a no. Yeah. To really look at what's important and does this fall within Mainer Leadership's vision and standards? Yeah. It could be an awesome opportunity, but it doesn't. So that's a no. Well, I mean, I failed at that for many years. Sir. Yeah. Because earlier, remember we talked about, I would say yes to a lot because nothing's permanent and I need to be pliable. So I just, it wasn't just yes to a lot. It was yes to everything. Yeah. Well, what happens there the domino effect is somebody's going to be let down no doubt right some balls are going to be dropped because mm-hmm. you can't juggle all of those things yeah. and so it really made you narrowly focus on standards vision your your daily habits the why am i just getting up in the morning um mm-hmm. and that i mean all of that came through just falling on your face just yeah. failing getting yeah, hard, back up. hard knocks yeah. Yeah. And just wanting to win at the end of the day. Yeah. And however we felt winning was, I know one of my biggest successes is, it, so I take my kids to school every morning, right? And uh, my little one, four years old, says, Daddy, do good at leadership today. That's awesome. And that is just like every, I mean, all, she says it almost every morning and it just like melts my heart. Yeah. And, and, and here's why. Like the backstory of it is, that's completely different than the relationship that I had with my dad. Mm. Now the relationship I had with my dad was amazing. Right. And it was incredibly strong. And like, he was, he was my person for until he passed. Just a different dynamic. Just a different dynamic. I learned work ethic, right. And perseverance and a different type of passion from him by, you know, watching him wake up at 4am for 37 years Mm -hmm. and go to the shop and to a place that he didn't necessarily love. Right. And doing a thing that, you know, he didn't necessarily wasn't born for. Right. And that's totally different. 
So for me to have created something that I have a little bit of that freedom that like I can wake up with them and I can take them to school. And, and like my four-year-old is defining work Mm -hmm. as leadership. Yeah. Do leadership good. Or dad, do you have a meeting or did you like, I'll come out of the office and they'll say, did you make money? It's like they, they, they know they now, know. like I make money on a zoom call when I sell something and help someone. Right. Right. To like the difference there is like, man, I've, I've changed my family tree and mm-hmm. how work is perceived within my family. Like that's crazy. And a lot of my family doesn't even fully understand what I do. Right. Like, oh, you're a consultant or you helps, you know, small service based businesses or whatever. Right. right. They just know like I do leadership. So that's definitely probably my biggest success. My biggest failure is I'm going to say not realizing it sooner, Mm. right? Like it it took my dad passing before like I woke up to become my own man and figure out what is it that I was born for? Yeah. Right. Cause I was a teacher and I was doing good and I liked it. Right. And I, and getting good results, all the good things. Right. I mean, you know, decent salary, health insurance, like all the things, and then dad passed, and then I went into self-discovery to figure out who I was really born to be, right? And, you know, and help people with right. leadership. And I think my biggest failure is, like, why did it take that long? And I, and I think the reason behind it is, like, <laughs> there couldn't be two Roger Deans. So, and I think I was, I had a fear there that, like, he wouldn't approve mm. if I had done that. So I didn't even, like, it, those neurons just shut off. Like, nope, this is your thing because this is what you planned on and this is the plan. The path was set. The path was set. Like from from when I was in high school, I was going to be a teacher, I was going to be a sports coach, I was going to – and now when I look back, kind of like the things I learned from that failure, like just God dropping seeds of like when I didn't get the varsity football coaching job. Mm -hmm. And like that was a seed to be like, you're heading on the wrong path. Did I see it then? No, not at all. I was just pissed and that I didn't get it. Yeah. Right. But like that. And then, you know, and then obviously dad passing was the biggest seed to be like, wait a second, why do I feel like this? Mm-hmm. And why now? Why do I feel like this now? It seems like this has been in there all along. I know it has. Cause I've been like this uber competitor my whole life, but all of a sudden I wasn't really mm. competing. Not like I was coaching football and stuff like that, but like I wasn't competing. Yeah. So it was like, what's my new game? And that's where I had to find it. But I'm, I'm, I'm like disappointed in myself that I didn't learn that or find that out sooner or that like I wasn't able to articulate what was going on and that something was missing. Mm. And that's like really interesting to me. Like I think about that a lot. Like was it because I was scared that my dad wouldn't like, would he look down now and be like, what are you doing, kid? Right. And I'm like, well, let me show you my bank account. You might approve then. Right. 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 Right? And they're like, well, don't look at that year. That was super bad. (laughs) (laughs) Look at this one. We made it through though. So yeah. But I mean, to me that, that, that's a, that's an interesting one to me. It's funny how events, major events will kind of shake that loose. Yeah. Can jar you. No doubt. Um, Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what it does, but it's like, uh, it's like, it's like trauma, essentially. Yeah. You know, tragedy, trauma, and it really, it just jars you. And I think just the way that I competed and the way that, you know, the chip on my shoulder and the drive that I had, like, I think those things like kick in, but in a totally different way, mm-hmm. they like, they like kick back inward and they're like, what are you doing? And yeah. then all of a sudden, like all these questions come up in your head and you're like, 
well, shit, I don't really know. What is my shit? What am I doing? Why Why am I doing it? Who right. am I doing it for? What, what am I trying to win at? Oh, wait, I'm not even playing a game. And it's like, oh. So to me, like that's what it happened. It was like everything that had always been like this outward all of a sudden turned inward. And then it was like, whoa, I got to figure this out because I'm like, I got these new like feelings and these new questions and these new passions. And mm-hmm. if you had told me before my dad died that I was going to be super fascinated with learning different businesses and industries, I would have been like, no, I'm not <laughs> like you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> right. And now it's like, Oh, that's like one of my biggest joys of our business right now, which is so much fun. Well, so it's, it's funny because you've, you've spoke on this a number of times that a lot of what you uh, were doing as a teacher and as a coach, leaving that, none of that was in vain because all of the things that you've learned and that you've gleaned yeah. from that, there's so many parallels and similarities, no doubt. but it was like, uh, you had mentioned, you know, like I'm playing a game here, but I feel like I am playing football, but I'm in a basketball arena. Yeah. That, and that's exactly once you how I switched it. to like, okay, I'm all the tools. I'm an athlete. I'm, I'm a leader. This is now I'm here. Yeah. And it was like something clicked. Yeah. Like people ask us all the time, like tell us about your experience, like with leadership and mm-hmm. like, how do you know how to solve this puzzle and everything? And I'm like, I've been leading, motivating and yeah. encouraging people who didn't want to be there or didn't want to do the thing for 15 years. Right. They had to. And I figured that out and got them to win. I'm like, you guys, if you like what you're doing remotely, this should be easy. Right. And then running, I mean, running sports, like I coached like six different sports Mm -hmm. and played at the highest, I mean, peewee to, to, you know, seven and a half minutes of fame, you know, uh, talking about football, but all of those in between are like, I, I mean, I say it all the time. Like, we don't need to know your industry. We know people, we know Mm -hmm. teams and I'll figure out the puzzle. Like I'm really good at figuring out the puzzle, uh, because of all the experience that we have had in business in sports. You know, and then obviously, like I'm a history buff too. I was a history major, Mm -hmm. so I bring in those military pieces. You know, I'm fat. Always been fascinated with wars and history, and Mm -hmm. like how they organize things, and like how do you win a game like that? And so I I studied that my whole life too. So it's like all those things combined. It's like I've basically been doing this my whole life, right? You know, in in some way, shape, or form. So so that's pretty fun. But let's wrap this up. Let's talk about one piece here that I, I love to end with. And that is what advice would you give little young Jeremy? If you were to run this race again, mm, don't take things so personally. Okay. Why did you choose that one? Uh, because when I'm able to be objective and look at, and that's, that's the beauty, I think, of what we do working with businesses. You mentioned we don't need to know the industries. Um, all they can see is their short-term problems and yeah. where they're at. What we do is we kind of remove that, and we can look at it from different angles. Right. Right, and dissect and iterate and look at different aspects. Yeah. Um, if I, I'm so bound to something, if, I'm so ta- if I take it so personal, mm-hmm. it, it's harder to see the trees through the forest. Yeah. And it's, you know, Adam Grant talks about the compass versus the roadmap, mm-hmm. right? If, if I'm taking it personal, I need to see the roadmap and I need a straight line to success. I need to do yeah. this. And if I fail, it's I suck. 
not that was a failed plan, right. a failed attempt. Yeah. And, you know, that came through a lot of bumps and bruises that now, like, failure is inevitable. It's part of the process. It's really the only way you learn. Yeah. So it still sucks, but I'm able to be objective about it and say, Desi, mm-hmm. you know what? Um, in June, we're probably going to fail. What do we do then? Yeah. And you plan for it. Yeah, it's that didn't work or Correct. that might not work instead of we suck. Correct. Yeah, it's the it's and also it's perspective. Mm-hmm. I would I would say to to young little we lad Jeremy, <laughs> um, you know, understand zooming in and zooming out. Oh, yeah. Good one. Yeah. Like microscope, telescope. Yep. Like I also I need to look at things that are around me and be very clear. But those things are so short term and mm-hmm. they take oftentimes so much more importance and urgency in our brain. Yeah. Like I care more about my headache than I do what's going on in the world. Cause it's what's facing me. Yeah. But then also zooming out and say, what would it look like? Yeah. What does this year, this five years, what is now with my kids? What does college look like? Crazy. Right. And, um, for, for my person, if, in knowing my personality, I would also say what my wife also says often is be here now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I live much more future focused. Mm-hmm. What's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. Did we hit this milestone? What's the next objective instead of like here and now, mm-hmm. like you want to take uh, pride in the successes. Yeah. Take your licks and the failures, mm-hmm. but like you, you gotta be here. And I think that there's years Desi that went by that I wasn't, yeah. Cause I was so on to the next thing or so focused that I would just say, man, maximize that yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? You know, I think for me, the advice I would give little baby face Desi with, <laughs> with hair, I <laughs> uh, had a receding hairline at like 12. So would, it, but it would be to, to, to smell the roses more mm. to, you know, be content, but not satisfied, mm-hmm. like to, to appreciate how far you have come. Right. And not to say like, just, you know, be content with things and don't try hard. Like, but like take more than, you know, three to seven seconds to realize how far you have come and what you have won at yeah. and the things that you are good at. And like, I'm, I've always been the one that's like, if I won, if I would have won the Super Bowl, I would have been puking in a trash can the next day from working out to be like, yeah, well, that was yesterday. Today we got to, we got to win another one. And, you know, and I think business is the same way with successes and with failures. And then I I think the other one kind of goes right along parallel with that is learning to enjoy the process. And this was always a thing with me, even like in sports, like I wanted the result. You wanted the trophy, the goal. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to either win as a team, or and I wanted to win as an individual. I wanted to be all state, you know, all league, all whatever. I wanted to set the record. I wanted to score the most points. I wanted the most personal, individual, and team accolades as possible. Mm. Period. Because, I mean, oddly enough, I just enjoy being better than other people at things. I mean, that's just me being transparent, right? That chip has been built a long time ago because if it's in my potential to do so, then I need to find that. Otherwise I'm going to not be happy. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think enjoying the process, I've never been good at that. Right. Until I think recently with the hard knocks of growing a small service based business. Yeah. If you don't, 
like you're going to hate every second of it. Mm-hmm. So, and I think, so that's something that, you know, the advice that I would give is learning to enjoy that more in my younger years because it would build you up and prepare you more for it. Like you're going to fail every day. Yep. And it's like, you're not failing. You're just learning. I mean, it's like, it's literally like Thomas Edison. You're trying to find an algorithm and hit it big and make your first million or 10 million or whatever it is. And it's like, if you don't enjoy making your first six figures and figuring that out, and then you don't enjoy just the grind and the, you know, there's no silver bullet. There's a bajillion golden BBs. Mm-hmm. If you don't enjoy searching the hay for the next golden BB, yeah, you know, and just grinding it out, then like you're probably not going to like the result either. Mm-hmm. And we don't know if we're ever going to get it. Right. You know? And that's so, really good. so to me that that's one of the biggest advice I would give baby face Desi. Yeah, that's funny with the receding. Well, and, and I've seen you do very well, even with clients walking them through that process. Yeah. Right. They're stuck. They're in a rut for you to open up that time horizon in perspective. Cause you can say, Hey, smell the roses and, you know, understand and feel, feel good about the process. Well, man, the process sucks right now, right? Like we're in the gutter yeah. and we were supposed to be projected for 20% growth and we're down 10%. Yeah. It's a 30% Delta Desi like this. Enjoy the process, but you're able to say, okay, in the last 365, yeah. what did you accomplish? What did you learn or what did you do that or you know, a year who, ago? Or who are you now? That you weren't then. Correct. What did you learn? What have you become? Then it's yeah. like, oh, okay. And you know what? You're right. This does suck. But why did you get in this to the first place? Did you expect it to just be super easy? If it was easy, everyone would do it. Right. Like, you know what? Uh, I've been married to my wife uh, many, many years. I was say, you better get that number right. <laughs> and that is, you know, the hardest thing that I've ever encountered no doubt you know and i'm not the best roommate so i get it yeah but it's like it's not supposed to be it's the hard that makes it great because then i can look ahead and then say okay this is what we accomplished like remember the first year when you threw a hairbrush at me because i wouldn't pick up my towel or whatever (laughs) yeah right you put the toilet paper on the wrong way fill in the blanks uh, to be able to see like, okay, this is why I got into this. This yeah. is the purpose behind it. And it's going to suck. You know what? Embrace it. Yeah. Enjoy it because no you're going to hit the goal. And if that's the only thing you care about, um, you're going to be lifeless after that. Like what now yeah. I've reached this. Absolutely. So that's really good, man. It's a journey. It's a journey and you're going to have lots of ups, lots of downs, and it takes passion. It takes perseverance in business, leadership, sales, life, family, it doesn't matter. All of those, it's going to take passion and perseverance to mm-hmm. win that game and to run that race and run that journey. So I hope a couple of our successes and failures and lessons we've learned along the way yep. uh, helped. And uh, hey, Jeremy, thanks for jumping on with me and sharing your journey today. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And uh, babe, it's uh, 23 years. Oh, he got that, it right. Record straight. So Desi thanks and a lot, Jeremy, team. out.